Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want or at least avoid the lightning bolt prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused but at its essence prayer is simply talking to god the god who spoke the universe into creation who gives us life and breath who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him. In the vastness of all that exists, he actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God? Good morning. It's so good to be with you today. How are you today? Wonderful. It is good, good to be with you. There's a host of things going on in our church family. I want to mention just a few of, a few of those with you. Did you know, did you know that we have ongoing ministry to various students and youth in our community? Uh, we offer a Wednesday night uh, basketball time for, for students um, from the east side of town. Um, we have ongoing mentorship. We provide snack packs for kids who are food insecure. We have ongoing things to, for outreach for youth in our church family. Did you know that? Some of you do, and you can be involved in that uh, if you so choose. I'm grateful we have a church family that has a lot of things going on that seeks to reach and meet the needs and be a blessing to our community. We also have a report from VBS. How many of y'all went to VBS? We're part of VBS. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. I wasn't in VBS per se. I was teaching adults, but we had um, a wonderful time. We had 450 plus kids and volunteers during our VBS week. We can celebrate that um, and rejoice. Uh, we trust that God is using that saturated week in the lives of children's and children and families for them to hear and respond to the gospel, to be transformed to look more and more like Jesus. That's why we do this, and we're grateful for those of you who volunteered and you kiddos who were a part of that. Uh, tonight, uh, we know our mission choir tour students came back yesterday late evening after midnight, I believe. But tonight, they're going to put on a beautiful, worshipful concert in the sanctuary, 6 p.m. this evening. Would love for you to come back and support their mission work uh, by listening to the songs that they sung while they were on mission. So be sure to be back for that concert at 6 o'clock. Uh, your worship guide has information on it on the back about things that are happening in our church family. Highlights, which is another publication that we put out that gives a lot of information about a lot of things that are going on. I simply can't cover them all. So be sure to look up to see what else is going on in our church family. 
Well, for those of you who are new with us today, my name is Danny Panter. I'm one of the pastors here and staff at First Baptist Church. I have the privilege of preaching in this space, and we want to say thank you so much for coming and joining us for worship. We would love to know that you're here with us. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash connect. Right now on your device, we'd love to know that you're here with us, and we'd love to connect with you at a later time. Our mission as the First Baptist family is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. And everything that we do, we want that mission statement to shape. And we wanna get better and better at that every day, every week, every year as a church family. But that is who we endeavor, endeavor to be. We also wanna encourage you to continue to give through our church family. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash give. We trust that as God blesses this church family, he expects that we leverage all of those resources to join him in what he is doing in the city. So continue to give to be part of that. We are in a series on prayer And so with that in mind, would you stand with me? We're gonna read our text for today. This is Luke chapter 11. We're just gonna be reading verses nine and 10 this morning. Let's read together. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word. We need it. We need that reminder this morning about what prayer ought to be like. So thank you for teaching us. Give us the understanding that we need and help us to live that prayerful kind of life out every day. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So we're in Luke chapter 11, no surprise. Our verses are five through 13, but we're gonna back it up because those five through 13 verses fit into a broader context, some of which you are familiar. If we back up to verse one, we get a question from the apostles and we can appreciate this. We can appreciate the question. Verse one says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And we can really appreciate that question. For many of us, a life of prayer, prayer is a challenge. It's a challenge for me. So We all kind of are on pins and needles this morning, even though this is a familiar text. What does Jesus have to say about praying? Something else that's kind of really cool about this passage is that we have this recorded teaching of Jesus that I can imagine if if we had been in the presence of Jesus and we had asked the same question, this is exactly what he would have said. And that's good to know. So we can really appreciate the question. It was very customary for a rabbi or teacher who had assembled for himself a group of disciples, those who would follow in his footsteps, it was very customary for a teacher who had disciples to instruct those disciples on his spiritual rhythms. And this is no different. It would, it would, 
it would be no surprise that the rabbi or teacher of this group of disciples would teach them how to pray. In fact, they reference. We know John the Baptist taught his group of disciples how to pray. Will you not teach us how to pray? They had watched Jesus go and pray. Often when they didn't know where Jesus was, they would go and find him and he would be alone praying. In fact, now they, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, that's verse one, they saw Jesus model this life of faithful and consistent prayer. We know that he would pray early in the morning, find his own place. That was his custom, his rhythm. And that really piqued their curiosity. They wanted to have a a prayerful life like that too. And so they asked the question, teach us how to pray. And the first thing that really stands out to me is the simplicity of Jesus's instruction on, on prayer. In this translation, it says, when you pray, Jesus said, when you pray, or this is how you should pray. A simple, simple prayer. And he moves on into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. We see a longer version in Matthew, but here it's this very brief, simple prayer. But there's a simplicity to praying that Jesus is really trying to convey. And he's really reacting to how the Gentiles prayed, who had a multitude of different gods and goddesses that when they would go to them, had to say certain words in a particular kind of order. It was kind of like, it was an incantation or this magical phrase that if you said it often enough, just the right way, then you could manipulate that God or goddess or appease them to get what you want. And Jesus is saying, the life of prayer of the follower of Jesus is nothing like that. In fact, if you go back to Matthew, he's like, you don't, you don't pray like them. You, you pray a different prayer and it's simple. It's not about stringing the right words together. It's not about holding your tongue or hands in the right place. It's not magic. It's not coercion. It's not appeasement. It's talking. It's saying and listening to a person. This person who has redeemed you, who has made you in his image. It's simple. Jesus is trying to say prayer is not intended to be this overly complicated, too mysterious kind of thing that you can't wrap your mind around. It's simple. It's simple. It just so happens that the person you are saying things to and listening to is the creator of the universe who knows you and loves you. It's a purpose for you. We also realize when we walk through this text, when he gets to the Lord's prayer, that praying also has a, a kingdom orientation to it. Right off the bat, we see in verse two, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. When you pray, say this, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. There's a kingdom orientation. There's a heavenwardness to a prayerful life. And when he talks about your name being kept holy, that's a, that's a, a request and ask that Lord, may all whom you have created in your image be devoted to you. May they be wholly yours. You know, when you live in a different culture, 
Some of you have had a chance and a privilege to do that. You, you transplant yourself, and when you live in that new culture, you're really in a brand new reality that's very different than the one that you're used to. For those of you who've experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And as you're in this new culture, you really have to learn to begin to understand and care about the things that the people in that new culture, that new reality care about. And if you really care for these people, then you learn to adapt as best you can. You can't do it completely, but you learn to appreciate what they appreciate. You learn to adapt to their ways as best you can. And if you don't, I mean, you just stand out. And you come across, across really self-absorbed. When I, when I lived in Germany, I went to boarding school in Germany, and on many occasions, my group of friends who were kind of from all different parts of the world, their families lived in different places, but we would come together in Condren, Germany. But when we would go out on the town and we would see a group of Americans who were there on vacation, we would stop speaking English. And we would start speaking a language we could mutually understand because we didn't want to identify with that group of Americans who just stood out because they, were, they really weren't sensitive to the culture around them. They were loud and brash and complaining and demanding, which is very stereotypical, I know. But it was true. You don't want to stand out. When you go into another culture, you want to learn to appreciate and care. Now, the greatest reality that is, for all of us, is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the greatest reality. And, and if we are to care and appreciate the things of the kingdom of heaven, if we're gonna have to have a heavenward trajectory or orientation to our life of prayer, we have to learn to care about the culture of the kingdom of heaven. It's the only kingdom that's gonna last forever. And so when we get to this Lord's Prayer, one of the things he's saying is your, your prayer life has to be heavenward. It has to adopt the culture of heaven as best it can. It has to be concerned about the cares and the desires of God. And you need to pray accordingly. Otherwise, you stand out and you're just self-absorbed. You only care about what you want rather than what the Creator wants. So praying to God should take on a heavenward orientation because that kingdom is the greatest reality. We have to adapt to it and our praying should adapt to the cares and desires of heaven. We should be asking what matters to the heart of God in our prayer life? What matters to the heart of God? We know that God cares about your daily good. We see that in this prayer too. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't say, ask for it. Give us each day the food we need, our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The, what matters to the heart of God is our spiritual and physical well-being. That's good news. He cares about how we love other people. This kind of heavenward or kingdom orientation prayer is the kind of prayer that God loves to say yes to. So Jesus is saying, God loves to say yes to these kinds of prayer. It's kind of an echo of Psalm 37, four. If you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Where's your delight? Is your delight heavenward? Does it have, take on a kingdom, eternal kingdom culture? Jesus says that's the way your prayer should look more and more like as you encounter God.
But then he describes two other um, really simple qualities of a heavenward kingdom orientation kind of prayer that is so good. And again, it's two very simple principles. Again, God, uh, Jesus is not trying to um, make this complicated. and uh, he, he, He's not trying to say, gosh, this is really hard. Let me just try to teach you a little bit. It's so mysterious. You may never figure this out. No, he wants to be able to say, hey, can I just tell you that, that your prayer life should be heavenward. It should be kingdom culture. You should care about the things of heaven. You should delight in the ways of the Lord. But that kind of kingdom prayer takes on two very simple qualities. And he uses um, two stories to do that. So the two qualities that Jesus is gonna be teaching them is kingdom persistence, persistence in your prayer, and also confidence that God has your good in mind, your eternal good in mind always. So the first quality of kingdom-minded prayer or heavenward praying is persistence. We see that in this simple little story that he tells us in verse five through 10. Jesus says, listen, um, prayer is kind of like a man who in the middle of the night receives some guests who wasn't anticipating their friends who maybe traveled from far, got stuck in traffic on I-35, showed up at one o'clock in the morning as a good friend, you let them into your house, but you realize they didn't stop for dinner because of traffic and they're really starving. They've got little kids. And this man says, I have nothing to give them. And so what does he do? He doesn't just to go to any random neighbor, does he? The scripture says he goes to a friend and he begins to knock on that door of the friend's house in the middle of the night. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And finally, finally, the friend who doesn't call the cops on him because he knows he's knocking at the door finally yields and meets his need and opens the door and gives him the bread. And Jesus says this, Though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Your friend doesn't open the door because of friendship's sake. He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence, the knocking, the unrelenting persistence to get what you need. Now, I know a little bit of what that's like, although I didn't have to knock hard this morning. So, um, uh, Today, I was in the drive-thru lane picking up tacos for the worship band. My car dies in the drive-thru lane. Now, let me ask you, do you think I called anyone randomly? What kind of person would I call? A friend. It's no surprise that the man in need would call a friend because he is confident that the friend, even annoyed to his wit's end, would finally meet his need wouldn't ignore him. It wouldn't be like that salesman on the door. Y'all, y'all have done this. Y'all have done this. Sales, all the cars are in, in the driveway. The salesman comes up, knocks on the door. You're like, we're not answering it. And they knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. And finally, the person just goes on their way. But this friend knew, knew that if he was persistent enough that he would meet his need. Now, I called Ethan, 
And I know Ethan's in the middle of doing stuff in prep this morning, but Ethan answered my phone first call and he came and helped me out. But I could trust that because I knew as a friend, Ethan would respond. But the point is, is that the man expected the friend to respond. But what's interesting is Jesus said, he didn't respond for friendship's sake. He actually responds because of the persistence of the friend. He says, no, if a friend in the middle of the night will help a friend, God most certainly will help you. If persistence pays off in the middle of the night, how much more will God in your persistence meet that need? Many of us probably feel that God isn't listening in our prayer life, right? We feel like we can take things to the Lord and we feel like we're like that salesperson at the door. You know what I'm talking about? You ask for the same thing over and over again and you feel like it's just hitting a brick wall. Jesus wants you to know. He wants his disciples to know Even in those moments, keep asking. You're not hitting a brick wall. God is not ignoring you. God cares and he is listening. You keep it up. This is Jesus saying, you keep it up. God is better than the annoyed friend. He doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber. He's listening and he cares. You keep it up. That's why you have those summary verses in verses nine and 10 that says, keep on seeking, keep on asking. Keep it up. That's what Jesus is saying. Hebrews eleven six, the author of that book says that the Lord rewards those who seek him. This is Jesus saying that in a different kind of way. Keep it up. He's not ignoring you. Keep it The final quality that we see here is, should be self-evident to us, but it's also a reminder that God not only listens, and even when we feel like he's ignoring us, he's not ignoring us. He is aware, he is ready to receive our request. So keep it up, keep the asking, keep the seeking. But he's also very invested in our eternal good. And so Jesus uses this other simple analogy to describe this quality of kingdom prayer. He says, you fathers, in verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people Know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Very simple point that Jesus is making. Keep up the praying. May may your prayer take on this heavenward orientation. May it be kingdom-minded. May it echo the desires and longings of the Lord who happens to care about the needs that you have in your own life and, and how you love people and your relationships with others. He cares about all of those things. So keep on asking. Keep on seeking the Lord. Oh, and by the way, 
In those moments when you feel like God isn't listening and you're being ignored, just remember God has your greatest eternal good in mind, always, never changes. And if a dad, a good dad, knows how to give good things to their children when they ask, how much more does your heavenly father who is righteous has your best interest in mind? God always has our kingdom good in mind, always. And God always answers heavenward praying with your kingdom good, always. Now in Matthew, this, this story ends with how much more will your heavenly father give you what is good? Luke, we have it different. It says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That Holy Spirit takes on an eternal good perspective, doesn't it? What we need more than anything is to have the Holy Spirit who declares us children of God and redeemed and forgiven because of our faith in Jesus and following after Jesus. We need the Spirit of God to guide our steps, to give us eyes to see. And, and, and Jesus says, when you go to God who hears you and cares for you persistently, if you're seeking and asking with a heavenward orientation, you can know that God is going to have your greatest need at heart and meet your eternal good always. Always. Paul would remind us God is for us, not against us. And our praying, we can go to God with confidence that even in the midst of the silence, because we feel the silence often, we can go to him with confidence that he has our eternal good in mind. It might not be always what we want in the moment, but he's not gonna give us a snake. He's gonna give us the spirit of God. God is our greatest advocate. Jesus, I want you to remember that. You're not trying to wake up a God. You're not trying to string magical words together so you could coerce him or change his mind or debate with him or argue with him. There's this prayer is prayer's simple. It, it doesn't need to be this mystery. Will you, will you come to God seeking and longing and delighting yourself in the Lord? Will you come to him like that? Will your prayer look like that? And when you ask him, will you be persistent? Even when he doesn't answer you immediately or the way that you expect, will you be persistent in your asking? Will you trust? Will you trust that he has your eternal good in mind, always, always. Y'all remember that scene with um, Jesus had been healing and he was in this particular town. I don't remember the town's name, but there was a group of kids that wanted to be with Jesus. And the disciples were like, no, 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 he's too busy. And what does Jesus say? Let the children come to me. Because the kingdom of God is made up of these. Kingdom heavenward praying is like that. It's no, it's no mistake that he uses these 
two analogies of friendship and then of fatherhood who's answering the requests of his children. But, but heavenward praying is the invitation to come to God with full confidence and persistence like a child and resting in the character and provision of God, knowing for certain that he is there and your greatest advocate. Coming to him frequently, frequently. Yesterday I was... Um, I was at a, a sporting event with, with my daughter and I was just in the crowd and I was with some other friends whose kids were there and just periodically, one of the sons would just come in and lean in on the dad, just rest for a little bit. Then he'd go off and play and he'd come back and just kind of lean in a little bit. I mean, you could tell that there was this, this affection and trust and confidence in that relationship. That's the invitation in prayer. It doesn't have to be this mysterious thing. It's this simple thing. It's an invitation into Sabbath rest with God where we trust him and we honor him by delighting in the Lord and longing to be a part of what he is doing and to hear those words, I'm, I'm proud of you and how you did today and, and to make those requests and trust that he has your best interest in mind. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Now, some of you probably feel like you are not being heard today. Uh, you, you, your prayer life, and maybe there was a season where you were just tracking, and you were praying every day, but now you just feel like God's not listening. May the teaching of Jesus, its simplicity today, reassure you that God is not annoyed or frustrated by your prayer life or frustrated by your requests, but his invitation is for you to come once again. And many times with your Bible wide open, that's where we hear God's response both clearly. With your Bible wide open, reading verses, and as it prompts you to pray, make your requests, be persistent, seek and seek and seek and trust that he has your internal good at heart, always. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the simplicity of Jesus' teaching. Lord, help us to be like little children who trust a good dad who's gonna care for them, watch over them, be their greatest advocate and champion. May we come to you like that with childlike simplicity. And even when we feel like you're not hearing us, we can be confident that you care and are. And even when we feel like you're not answering the way that we want, we can be confident like children that you have our eternal good in mind always. Change us in this Sabbath rest of prayer, this heavenward praying. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.